This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. To see all these wonderful, smiling faces. Are you happy? Yes. Uh, you look very happy. It must be because you're in a good church. That's good. Well, um, as Pastor David said, we're meeting here in Belfast every year. So these uh, few days have been very busy. Some of the people that I meet here, I only get an opportunity to meet once a year. Because we come into this hub of Belfast, we meet for a few days, and then we're out again. And we're um, predominantly focusing on those areas within a window called the 1040 window that stretches over northern part of Africa, the Middle East, on towards Asia, Southeast Asia. In this region, you have about 70% of the world population. Most of the mega cities in the world are located within this window called the 1040 window. You can look it up in the internet when you come home and you will get some more information. Most of the people living in this area, they have never heard the gospel. They might have heard about Christianity or even seen a church or a cross, but they have no clue who Jesus is. They have no idea that God, the creator of heaven and earth, sent his son into this world to give us a chance to have our sins forgiven and to have a brand new life. So during these important days, because they are important when we are here in, in Belfast, we strategize, we plan. You know, I've been traveling around the world for almost two decades. And uh, I've seen that evangelists sometimes, we tend to be very selfish. I'm just very honest. I'm an evangelist. I can pick on myself. We can be very self-centered and we want to be there on the platform. We want to be the, the, even though we don't think it, you know, but in the subconscious area in our lives, we're too much focused on ourselves. So what we do through ACE, we bring evangelists together and we help them to work together. We train them, we challenge them, we ask them to network, to work together, to cooperate, and not to look upon only themselves, uh, looking into their own interests, but looking into other lives for the best of others. Helping young evangelists, because we have some, there are one guy, he's 18 years old, he just, he's still in school. And he's been on his first campaign, and he has been, had a desire in his heart since he was a kid to be an evangelist. God has called him. But if no one would train this guy properly, if no one will help him and provide a platform or a budget even, you know, to help him to start out his ministry, he might go a very difficult way like many of us have done. Too many evangelists are too much alone. They're loners. And I think it's a time and a season where we have to understand it's not a one-man show. In church, we know this, but it's sad to say some of the evangelists, they don't know about it. <laughs> so we need to work together. We need to team up together because the mission is great. 
the assignment that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to the church, the body of Christ, is to reach the masses, reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As evangelists, of course, we preach in campaigns, but we also have another great assignment, and that is to encourage the church, train the church, which is probably more important, to get each one of us that believe in Jesus Christ to be involved in reaching people here in this place and across the world. People need to hear about Jesus because the world is lost without Jesus. People are confused without Jesus. I was a very confused man until I was 18, 19, 20 years old. I, I think I shared this last time I was here. My life was hard rock. I was in a rock band. I liked to play the electric guitar. That's what I did day and night. And my dream was to travel the world and be a rock star. To change the world with rock and roll. But then I met a girl that was very beautiful. And I chased after her and finally she gave in and she said, you know, first date we had, she pointed at me and she said, Michael, you know, I will never marry a man who's not following Jesus. Just so that you know. <laughs> and I thought, wow, who is this lady? To make a very long story short, she dragged me to church and I came to the Lord after about six months. And um, today we're married. We've been married for 20 years. We have four children. Benjamin is 17, Daniel 15, Amanda is 12, and little Elias, he's soon to be five. And it's been a journey these past 20 years. After Bible school, we went home to our home church and we, we served in the church. And I'm still in the same church. I'm in the, still in the church where I got saved. I don't hop around, move around, you know, looking for the latest or the whatever. I believe in serving in the local church to be part of a team where you work shoulder to shoulder, back by back. And you work in season, not of season. And you do your best to encourage one another, to live for one another and for the kingdom of God and to help others to find a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I'm so happy to be here this Sunday morning to see people of all age groups together. You know, the church is an amazing place where people from different nations speaking different languages, we're looking different. We're young, we're middle-aged, we're old, and we're all together in one family, living together, praying for one another, serving one another, serving the community. It's not many places where, where it is like this. The church is something special because it's ordained, it's commanded, it's said to be there by the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overtake it. So be thankful that you're part of a church. Sometimes we can think, well, I don't like Mr. Smith or Mrs. Smith. You know, they're different, you know. We're all different. If you would be with me for a while, you wouldn't like me. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe you would. But we're all together, we're together in this. In the wonderful kingdom of God. We're struggling, but God works in the midst of all. And the last word has not been said yet. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have loved ones and you think, will they, 
Will they come to Christ or how long should I have to pray? I want to say to you that the Lord has not, has not had the last word yet. Amen. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Smile, be friendly. Love them. Care for them. Show them God's love. That's what we can do. And we have to leave it up to Him. For the past year, I've been traveling mainly or only actually to Sri Lanka. I think it might be about six, seven years since I was here the last time. Could have been. I think at that time we were doing a lot of work in Indonesia especially. But for the past five years we've been focusing all our effort on Sri Lanka. That is my target nation which I am responsible for within the ACE network. In Sri Lanka we have about 70% of um, Buddhist people. We have about 15% Hindus. We have about 8% Muslims. And then we have the rest, 7%, they are a bit of everything. It's a wonderful nation. Lovely people. But many of these people, they have no clue who Jesus is. If you enter into a hotel or a bar and you ask them, do you know Jesus? They'll say, no. Some might even say, he doesn't live here. Try the next village. Some might heard of a church and they have a wrong opinion on what it might be like. And I look upon these people, a nation of 22 million. We're serving up in the hilly countryside. It's about 2,000 meters above sea level. In this area, about 7 to 8% of all the tea that is going around the world comes from this area. It's about 2 million people living in this area. We have about 500 tea estates. Estate is a, a place where they grow the tea and there might be several villages attached to it. And, and the people living in these villages, they are working in these tea estates. They're simple people. There are many problems. Their work is a mundane work. They do the same thing every day. They pluck tea and they make a little money. The problem is that many of the husbands, they go home just to leave the house very soon to go to the bar and they drink. They come home late at night and they get up in the morning and they work and they live like this, day out and day in. My crusade director in Sri Lanka, his father, he was a drunkard. He was making some money. He was a manager in one of these um, tea estates. But he didn't take any money home hardly. He used it for gambling and drinking. But one day, somebody shared the gospel with him. And through a quite long process, he came to the Lord. Today he's a pastor. And his whole family is serving the Lord. Their whole family changed. He said, my, my um, friend's name is Sashi. He said, before my father knew Jesus, he was drinking and beating us up. I had no choice. I had no clothes, my, my, my clothes were torn. But then my, when my father got hold of Jesus, everything changed. I went to better school. I had new clothes. I had a pair of shoes. He, doesn't, he wasn't beating us up anymore. We saw a remark, remarkable change in our father's lives. And we were attracted to this Jesus. Our whole family came to Jesus. And now we're all serving Jesus. And now this man, he's helping us and he's setting up campaigns.
Just actually today, I have one of my team members preaching in Sri Lanka, in a village. It's a young, it's a, a woman evangelist. She's she's her first campaign that she's doing on her own, and she, now she's preaching. She was terrified when she went there, and she said, "How can I do this? You know, I have the calling, but what should I say?" I said, "Just relax. It'll be fine." And it is fine. So that's what we do. We, we believe in people and we send them out. In, in my um, area where I'm responsible, we ha I have about five, six evangelists from Sweden. Some are a little bit older and some are very young. In November, we have a guy called Roger. He's been traveling with me for a number of years. And um, he has been helping out with many different things. And he's a shy personality. He doesn't speak much. And you, many people have missed him and said, you know, he can help and move the shares in the church or whatever. But I've seen something in this guy's life. He's been with me for a number of years. And I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen how he's been serving. I've seen how he's been, he has had a good attitude. He's been helping people. Honest. Trustworthy. Faithful. Trustable. And now in November, he's having his first, own gospel campaign preaching the gospel in Sri Lanka we have about 500 tea estates where in the area where we are working out of these 500 we have about three that does not have a single church there is not one single church in these 300 so our our plan and our strategy is to in 10 years we will we want to see churches in each of these tea estates where people today are living a life uh, where they have no hope or very little hope, where they're in drugs or drinking, difficult family situation. We want to see a difference there. We want to see people coming to Christ and we know when they come to Jesus that their lives will be changed, their families will be changed and great things will happen. We, had, we also have a discipleship training school in, in the area where I work. We have about 30 students. A couple of years ago, we had a guy who showed up, and he was very quiet. He didn't speak much. We've heard that he had been a troublemaker, but we didn't know much about him. And uh, there was one of the pastors who had recommended him and said, he needs to go there. He's, he's good. Just take him in. So we trusted this pastor, and we brought him in, and we found out after a few days that he was not a believer. He was a Hindu. But we let him be in the school for um, a few weeks. And after about three, four weeks, he came to the Lord. And he was with us for a year. And after the school, he said, now I'm going back to my village where I was fighting, drinking, and making life miserable for most people. And he said, I'm going to plant a church. And that he did. So now we have a church in his home village, this guy. This is just small stories. I could speak about thousands and great things, but I think it's important to understand one thing. It's not about reaching the masses only. It's about reaching individuals one by one. It's individuals that will make the difference. You as an individual, individual you will make a difference here in this place. You are important. You are needed. Do not look down upon yourself or say, I'm no good, I cannot, who am I? You are wonderfully made. Created into the image of God. And when you came to Jesus Christ, you were engrafted in the holy wine. Christ came in you and you are in Christ. And now you are a wonderful creation in Christ Jesus. And God has prepared good things for you in advance so that you can walk in them. That's who you are. 
So do not look down on yourself. Look upon yourself and say, I'm a child of God. The Spirit of God lives in me. I can do a difference. I can make a difference. I can, I can change the, the, the situation in my workplace. I can have a good attitude. I can share the gospel with people. If there's trouble in the family, be different. Smile. Be friendly. Serve. God is with you. He loves you. And he will work all things for good, like we were singing. God will have the last word. Today, I want to share a simple message with you. From the Bible, yes. <laughs> About Jesus, yes. You see, I love the gospel. I love the good news of Jesus. It has changed my life. Today, I'm a completely different person. I'm so happy. Is everything all the time good? No. Sometimes we go through really rough times, troubles. But I know that he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. I know that whatever is facing me, God will have the last word. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, God will take me through. And he will take you through. The gospel is the most wonderful message, the most powerful message there is. There is nothing in this world that can transform a person in such a way as the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's amazing that these words that we speak in the campaigns, or the words that I'm speaking here today, that they have power to change any situation. Sometimes it's turned around like this, and sometimes it's over a period of time. But I know that for the one who listens, the one who, who receives, the one who believes, who puts the trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, for him and her it will make a great, great difference. I want to speak about the most important event that have happened in history of mankind. And it is the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But many times I hear this in my home country and then across the world I've been moving around a bit during the past 18 years, so I've heard a bit and seen a bit. And many people say like this, Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. Have you heard that? I've said it myself many times. And I, I was, I've been preaching in campaigns, been preaching in churches, been preaching in the streets, I've been preaching in the city squares, I've been preaching in homes, I've been preaching and preaching and speaking and teaching and doing a lot of things. But one day it dawned on me, we speak a lot about the crucifixion, and that is important in the, that we speak about that Jesus died for us. But there is one part that is also of equal importance, and that is that Jesus rose for you. He died on the cross. Yes, it's important. But he also rose on the third day. I don't hear many people say, you know that Jesus rose from the dead for you? It's very seldom. And I... It dawned on me. I didn't say it myself. So somehow I preached half the gospel, even though I be, believed in the full gospel. And I, we mentioned about the resurrection. We spoke upon the resurrection. But I want to emphasize today on the resurrection. You see, the sacrificial death of Jesus is the most important event in the history of mankind. We can read from John, the gospel, verse Chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. It's the story when Mary Magdalene 
she went to the tomb, it says in verse 1, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked into the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in his place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had ran, first reached the tomb, also went in. And he saw and he believed. So why is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus so important? Because really our whole future, eternity depends on the resurrection. Like I said, the crucifixion is important. His death on the cross, when he took our sins upon himself, he took our sicknesses upon himself. He was made curse for the sake of us. It is important. But the resurrection is also extremely important. You see, during the first time of the Romans, during the times of the Romans, or in the beginning and the middle of the Roman Empire, especially during the time of Jesus, many people were crucified. Jesus was not the only one. It was the way that the Romans executed the worst criminals, the, woe, the, the, the worst rebels that were threat to the Roman Empire, they were crucified. But there was only one who rose from the dead. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. It's like Sunday school. Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus, you know, had lost its power without the resurrection. Because the resurrection of Jesus proves that he is more than a noble person who died for a great cause. Or that he was a bad criminal that were killed by the Roman government because he had done something evil. It proves that Jesus is different. That Jesus is the Son of God. That his death was not a death, a penalty for his own sins or transgressions. But that his crucifixion, his death on the cross, was for us. Because he rose on the third day. You see, Jesus conquered the sin and death, the curse, through the resurrection. What is sin? It's easy today that we connect sin to bad actions and bad behaviors. But it's more than this. Sin is the power that is pulling humanity, individuals away from God, into bad thinking, actions, stuff that hurts the heart of God and destroys relationships, destroys themselves. It's a power that corrupts and is corrupting the whole world. Just look around the world of today. Look around what is going on in Syria. 
What is going on in Iraq with this Islamic State? Beheading people, killing people, brother killing brother, violence. It's obvious that something is really awkward, something is really wrong. Something is really in a state without hope in a way. Unless a savior, unless somebody will save them from their evil ways and their evil actions. Even in our part of the world, people are suffering in another way. Often very silently, they don't say much, but they, there's stuff going on in the inside. There might be stuff going on in families. People feeling confused about life. Why am I here? What should I do in my life? And where am I going? So the resurrection of our Lord Jesus is very important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 17, Paul writes, why? He writes, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. In verse 19, he continues, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because then we have no hope. No hope and we're still in our sins. Salvation and judgment is coming. And we have no eternal freedom and relationship with God. But Paul continues in verse 20. He says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Did you hear this? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. I think I'm going to say it again. The first fruit of those that have fallen asleep. So he's not the only one. There are other com others coming. You know, the first fruit, that's a small part of the harvest in the beginning. But then something great is coming. There are more coming. So Jesus is the first fruit. This, my friends, is our beautiful hope. Of course, here and now is important. I'm not saying that we should just live, you know, some people, they are in heaven already while they're here in their minds. Of course, we have our head, to have had our, our minds in heaven, but we need to have our feet and our hands and our arms, the rest of our body here, because there's work to be done, my friends. There are people across the world, in your own town, in your own area, that need to find Jesus. But we need to understand that it is more to life than this. When you're a young person, you think that, well, life is a long life. You know, I don't have to think so much about eternity. But the older you become, the closer eternity we will all come. A life with God is great here and now. Even though we all go through struggles and my life is not perfect in any way. I'm so happy and so thankful that I can live in a relationship with Jesus, that I'm a child of God. But I can wake up in the morning and I can say, Jesus, I love you. And I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I can feel the testimony of the Holy Spirit within me. Yes, you're a child of God and you're on the way to a better place. Michael, 
this day, make the most out of this day for my kingdom. Sometimes I succeed and sometimes I fail. But there is this identification with Jesus. There is this sonship that I belong to God that is so valuable. Not only on Sundays in church, but every day. You know, even if everything is beautiful and wonderful right now, I'm telling you, my friends, the best is yet to come. I'm going to say that again. The best is yet to come. I think we'll do it one more time. The best is yet to come. Ah, that's better. Listen to this wonderful scripture. It's Apostle Peter who's writing in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope. Who is the living hope that is Jesus? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Sometimes we say like this. And I said it myself. And it's true in one way. And I say, I am saved. Yes, I am. But still, the day of salvation, I have not experienced yet. Because there will be one day when I will be standing before the throne of God. And, the, and books will be opened. There will be books, many books open, and then will be the, the book of the, of, of the Lamb will be open, the book of life. And on that day, judgment day is coming, and I have to stand to be accountable before God for what I've done with my life. And it's not perfect. I've done many bad things. Paul said, I'm the greater sinners of all. And that's how I feel sometimes. I read the Bible. I love Jesus. But I find out, find out sometimes that I'm so selfish. I'm so self-centered, so self-focused. Well, sometimes when I greet people, I don't remember their names because I, 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 I think about other things. Sometimes when I come into a room, I, I feel like everyone is watching. And I feel like, oh, I think about me. And we're all the same. Most of us. We're so self-centered. And there's so much that needs to happen in my life. But you're a preacher. You have to be perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But I want to be perfected by Him. And I'm changing. I'm much better today than I were 25 years ago. I promise you. But I need Jesus every single day of my life. I need 
the power of his grace. I need the Holy Spirit to change me, to shape me, to make me, to become more like Jesus Christ for every day that passes by. I need Jesus. And sometimes I feel, Lord, why can I do this? Why have you chosen me? And the only answer that comes, because I'm glorified in your weakness. You cannot boast about any other thing than except about me. It's all about Jesus. I'm so thankful that I can belong to Jesus, that he saved me. But still one day, I will be standing there in the last time when the coming salvation will be revealed, when I will receive my inheritance that is kept in heaven for me, when you will receive your inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's an inheritance, verse 4, that can never perish, nor be spoiled, or nor fade away. And I'm kept, shielded by God's power as long as I live on this earth. So the best is yet to come. I will receive an inheritance. You will receive an inheritance. And here this morning, I want to say to you, I want to remind you, this is nothing new. If I would preach something new, you should drive me out of church. Because we don't need something new. We need the Bible. We need the gospel. We don't need the latest. We, maybe we need to change in a way to reach people. That's one thing. But the message should not change. It's the same unchanging Jesus we're preaching about. On that day, I will shout for joy. When I will be, and when I, when it will be revealed to me in the last time, the inheritance that I will receive together with my brothers and sisters around the world that believe in Jesus. On that day, we will shout for joy. We will not say, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Or just say, praise the Lord. <laughs> On that day, my friends, we will shout for joy when we stand face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the splendor and the glory of God's kingdom. And he will stand towards us and he will say, Welcome into my kingdom that has been prepared for you since the ages. Woo! I will be happy. And you too. You see, God's gift to us is a new life together with God today. A fellowship with Him that starts here and now but continues into eternity. The best is not here. So if you're struggling and facing opposition or troubles, maybe you're sick in your body or you're going through troubles in your family or in your workplace and maybe life is a mess sometimes. This is not the end. This is not the end. If you trust in Christ only for this life alone, we're the most pitiful of them all. 
But we don't trust in Christ for this life alone. We trust in Christ for the eternity to come. We trust in Christ for on that day, on the day of salvation, when we'll be standing before Christ, in before the throne of God, and the God and God's kingdom will be revealed to us. And his splendor and majesty and glory, we will see it face to face. And he will ask us into his kingdom. On that day, we will shout for joy. We will understand that everything that we went through, every challenge that we went through in life, we kept our faith. We stood with Jesus. We clinged on to Jesus. We trusted in Jesus. We relied in the gospel. We put our faith and our trust in the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We identified with Christ. We we faced persecution in, in different ways. Maybe some would say some evil words. Maybe you were beaten. Maybe your family pushed you away. Maybe some loved ones pushed you away or whatever you want, went through. But on that day, my friends, you will say, that price was little to be paid. Can you imagine an eternity with God? Where there is no pain, where there is no sickness, where there is no curse, where there is no decay, where there is no evil, but where everything is perfect, a paradise. Why do you think people from Northern Ireland want to travel to Paradise Island? Or even Swedes, they like it even more because we have a terrible climate where I'm from. They want to be in a nice paradise island, on a nice paradise island, where the water is turquoise blue, 27 degrees in the water. The sand is white, coral, beachy sand. The colorful fishes are swimming in the water, drinking from a coconut. Lying there in the sun. Ah. Why? Because we were made for a paradise. We were made not for this, what we are living in right now. We were made for fellowship with God. I'm not saying that everything will be like on the beachside in heaven. But what I'm saying, there's something within us that like the beauty. That like the majesty of the ocean. When everything is just calm, beautiful, peaceful, and wonderfully made. And the Maldives will be nothing compared to what we will experience when we come to before the throne of God and we will enter into his kingdom. I don't know how it will look like. If we read the Bible, we'll find small pieces here and there. But it will be wonderful. I'm not saying that I'm living only for that part because I'm living for now because I'm living for the people in my own country and also in other nations of the world that that do not know Jesus because I want them to belong to Jesus I want to bring them to Jesus I want them to experience what I have experienced I want them to to experience a new hope that they will feel that life has a meaning that I have a, there is a purpose with my life. That I'm on the way to a better place. That I have peace in my life. 
peace in my family, peace at my workplace. so much to see this and I think you want it too John 3 16 and 17 says like this for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that is the goal why Jesus came so that people should not perish, but have everlasting life. Taste it. Say it. Everlasting life. It's almost hard to grasp, hard to understand, difficult to comprehend. What will it be like? It will be wonderful. It will be perfect. It will be no sickness, no struggles, no troubles, no devil, no evil, no hatred, no fighting, no curse. It will be a paradise. You see, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. No. He sent His Son so that the world might be saved through Him. I want to ask you here today. We can all stand on our feet, please. We can all close our eyes. I'm a guest here. I don't know you. But I do this wherever I go. I want to ask. And I want to check if there's anyone here that do not know Jesus. I will want to give you an opportunity to say. I want to know Jesus. I want to receive Jesus into my life. I want to be a child of God. I don't know, maybe everyone here is a believer and a follower of Jesus, but there might be some that are not. That's why I want to take this opportunity and I want to ask, if you're here and you do not know Jesus, if you have not committed your life into the hands of Jesus, if you have not put your trust in Jesus, I want you to lift up our hand, your hand and I want to pray together with you. I will not embarrass you in any way. I will not take you here to the front. I just want to pray together with you. Is there anyone here to lift up your hand this morning? I will not push or shove. I will ask one more time and then I will go on. Is there anyone here who say, yes, I want to start to trust in Jesus. I need to have my sins forgiven. I want to belong to Jesus Christ. I want to be a child of God. If that's you, lift up your hand. This is an opportunity. This is a moment where you can say yes. And you will never re regret. It will not be the most easiest life always. But it will be the best life. The right thing to do. And you will experience something that is greater than what you have here and now. So if you're here, lift up your hand. In the name of Jesus, I ask you. Okay. While we're standing here, I would like to take the opportunity that we would pray for our loved ones. Maybe you have somebody. You know somebody that does not believe in Jesus. I would like to take this moment 
and pray for that person. Because when I was speaking these words, you saw a face or you thought about a name. And I would like to take this opportunity that, we, that you would pray for that person. I would pray for the person that came in my mind. And we take about 20 seconds and we just pray and we bless that person. You see, if you can bless that person and you can continue to reach out to that person, that person might come to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we lift up each person that we're thinking about right now. I pray for my friend. You know his name. And all my friends here, they're praying for each one of them that, 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 you know, that they have a relationship with. Lord, we pray and we bless that person. I thank you, Lord, that you love every person so much. Every woman, every man, every boy, every girl is precious in your eyes. And I thank you, Lord, that you will change the heart of that person. Work on that heart of the person and help us, each one of us, to be able to reach out to that person, to share the gospel in different ways, through actions, through words, through certain deeds, blessing, helping, loving. Lord, I pray. Lord, we pray for this church, Father, for every person that this church has relationships with, that they will use those relationships and they will reach out, that they will share the good news, they will share their testimonies. Father, give them boldness. Help them to stretch out, to reach out, to make a difference in this town, in this region. I pray in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for reaching out, Father, to each person, each person that we're mentioning right now before you. In the name of Jesus.